postpartum body odor. It is a totally natural phenomenon because your body chemistry changes after giving birth. And so sometimes that means that what worked before is no longer effective. But I am excited to say that now there is a solution for that stubborn odor. The Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is a completely natural deodorant made by a postpartum mom who went through it herself. And it works by eliminating and preventing bacterial body odor without covering up your skin's comforting smell to your baby while giving you 12 hours of odor control. And let me tell you, it actually works. Here at the house, we've all been trying it and loving it. Now, before you think, ew, you're sharing a deodorant with your husband and daughter, let me explain that this full-body deodorant comes in a convenient pump applicator that lets you apply it anywhere on your body with no bacteria traveling on the deodorant, so no ew involved. We also love that the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant has a delightful natural scent of USDA certified organic extracts that smell like a pink sugar cookie with lemon frosting. I thought this would be a little strange, but it's actually amazing. Also, the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is free from artificial fragrances and any kind of senoestrogens or herbs that can interfere with breastfeeding. Find your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant at postpartumdeodorant.com. That's postpartumdeodorant.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off through the month of May. Get your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. Pregnancy and postpartum are some of the most nutritionally demanding times of your life, which makes sense because you're basically acting as your baby's pantry while pregnant or nursing. That's why the quality of your prenatal supplements is so vitally important. Hands down, the one I recommend is needed. So I'm thrilled to say that if you use the code BIRTHFUL at thisisneeded.com, you can get 20% off your first month of needed products. Needed is the number one nutrition brand recommended and used by me and over 4,000 practitioners from nutritionists to midwives, functional medicine doctors, and OBGYNs. Needed is for anyone trying to conceive, pregnant, postpartum, and really, this is goodness you can use even before and beyond the perinatal years. Along with prenatals, Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support to a lactation support plan, a stress and sleep support plan, and a gut health plan. In fact, I've had clients rave about Needed's pre and probiotic formula, saying how much better it made them feel compared to their usual probiotics. And to me, Needed's hydration support packets, which only have ingredients you can pronounce, are a must in any doula or hospital bag. Also, Needed's prenatal multi is available in capsules and easy-to-take vanilla powder for those with nausea or pill fatigue. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products.
Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today's birth stories are with Chrissy Whitehead. For her first birth, Chrissy didn't have much of a plan other than getting an epidural. That birth was a lovely experience. So what made her alter her birth wishes with each consecutive birth and end up choosing a home water birth for her fourth one? Stay tuned. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros and new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, many parents and parents-to-be. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Birthful. And if what you hear is helpful, make sure you subscribe. It is free, and that way you won't miss a thing. All right, so my guest today is Chrissy Whitehead. And for her first birth, Chrissy didn't really have a plan other than to get the epidural and follow whatever her doc said. When her second birth went too fast for an epidural, she was surprised by the incredible high she felt after the birth and the difference in her baby that she noticed in in her baby's personality. So much so that it made her completely reconsider her wishes and do all the things to prepare for an unmedicated vaginal birth for her third and fourth births with the last one happening at home. So lots to talk about today. Let's get right to it. Welcome, Chrissy. It is lovely to have you here on the show. Hi, I'm excited to be here. Oh, and I'm so glad that you decided to, I mean, we've been talking back and forth for a while because you you reached out wanting to be on the show a while ago, and then you were pregnant. And then now you've had a birth very recently. How how itty bitty is your bitty one? She will be six weeks on Thursday, Thursday night. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. I am pretty sure you're the soonest birth story that we've had. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Especially yeah. because, yeah, I think I contacted you in the summer, so it's been a wait. <laughs> It gets busy and then there's things that happen. And then once you, you said you were pregnant, I was like, okay, let's wait till that happens. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, why don't you tell the listeners who you are? Well, my, my name is Chrissy. I live in a very small town in Ohio. We live out in the country. Um, I am a stay at home mom. My husband owns a uh, diesel truck shop. Um, so I'm able to stay home and we have really flexible. And I have four girls, which everybody always shocks at that. (laughs) Um, But my oldest is five and then three, two and six weeks. That is a lot (laughs) under five. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How do you manage? I have to ask. It's actually not that bad. I don't know. I see people with boys and I'm like, I can't do that. (laughs) But I see my, they just, they play really well. They play babies all day. They just, they're really easy. I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. (laughs) Okay. Well, they're good kids. They're easy. They're easy. Thank goodness they're easy. I have one and our first year was not that easy. So we stayed at one. Oh, Oh. (laughs) well, there's that. (laughs) So why don't you take, let's take you back five years ago or six years ago, I guess, when you were first pregnant. What what's your what was your mindset at that point in terms of birth and and pregnancy and all that? Sure. So that time I was um very traditional uh conventional I guess I mean. So um very not question, do what the doctor says, you know, go with what society is doing at the time, you know, that kind of stuff. 
So I didn't have... I didn't have my own thinking or my own opinions at the time. Um, so I went to whatever OB somebody suggested and, and I loved it. It was great because that's where I was at the time. So, um, we, I, I just had a normal, I think I did everything she asked me to do. I did whatever <laughs> she said. I didn't do any research. I did take a childbirth class, but at the hospital, there were two options. There was a natural childbirthing class and a, like a normal one where they just basically go over your um, um, pain relief options <laughs> and that kind of stuff. And that's the one I took. Um, and yeah, that's that's my mindset at the time. And so at that point, were you thinking, oh, I want, did you even have a thought of like, I want to give, you know, when labor starts, I'm going to get the epidural or... Did, did you not even oh, have yeah. that? Oh, yeah. You were thinking epidural. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. As soon as as soon as soon I possibly could. That My plan was epidural. I actually, the doctor, well, no, that wasn't her. I switched doctors with my second one, but it just, it echoes in my mind where my mindset was, was she said, you know, she doesn't understand why anybody does a natural birth because it's not like anyone's there to high five you at the end and you get the same baby. And so she's like, why not do it without pain? And that was my mindset at the time. Okay. That same type of view. (laughs) Excellent. And I am going to use the word unmedicated instead of natural, just because I think like, you know, all births are natural regardless. That's true. (laughs) So I'm going to switch to that. Um, But So you were very go with the flow. What happened? Well, um, with her birth, it was, um, yeah, it was just a normal first birth, I guess, you know, from first contractions, it was a couple days because there was that, um, you know, started at night, went away during the day, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I got there and I was, uh, four centimeters. So it was like, good, you can get your epidural right away. (laughs) So I did. And then I slept the whole time and they woke me up to push and I pushed her out in like a half an hour and that was it. Um, she was one thing I did notice again, I didn't know any different until after my second baby, but she was very, very tired. So she wouldn't eat. She would, we'd have to strip her down. We'd have to try to wipe her with cold cloths. We had to give her sugar water. She just was not interested in nursing at all. Um, which I, we, they thought said was normal and I thought was normal come to see now. I think she was, my view is I think she was totally drugged from the epidural. (laughs) Mm. And yeah, you know, it's hard to say because with the way the epidural comes, like, it's not like a narcotic specifically, like it goes into, but there's always an effect of you've got your, all the fluids that they give you, right? And there's more enema and breastfeeding can be harder. And like, there's definitely, I have seen it both ways. I have seen that. And I've also seen some babies be really cranky from having gotten an epidural and be like, just, so, yeah, but yeah, I can, well, you've had four births and and you've had different experiences and we are going to get to that. Um, but so that you did notice that it was hard to feed her. Yes. Yeah. She just was, uh, she was just tired. She was too, she was hard to wake up. And I see now why they say, you know, it's important to wake up, especially in that type of environment. She was so tired. She would have slept for 
you know, I don't know, X amount of hours if I wouldn't have woken her up to feed her mm-hmm. um, because she was just so tired. I And I don't know if it, it could have been the long labor. It could have been the, you know, I have no idea. <laughs> but there was definitely, she was out. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I'll link on the show notes uh, an episode I have. Um, it's an older one. It's on epidurals and breastfeeding um, with Diane Cassidy. And I'll- I think I listened to that this last year. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, and so, but I mean, how are you feeling about that birth? It seems like it went pretty great, though. Right. Yeah. That's the funny thing is uh, every single one of my births was very different. And it's all been a very... It's been a long um, a road, I guess, a long change of myself, but every birth was perfect. And I don't regret any of them, even though they were very different and I'm a very different person now than I was then. I, I have no hard feelings like, oh, I wish I would have known better. I wish I would have done it better. I didn't know better. I can't, I can't be upset about some stuff I didn't know, <laughs> you know, and um yeah. Yeah. And it seems like it matched what there was that saying of, you you know, what you know, you do what you know with what you have. What is it? I, you know what you know when you know it. Yes. Right. <laughs> and at yeah. that point, that matched your experience matched with what you wanted and what you knew. So that's that's like a good symbiotic outcome. Yeah. And it was great. It was a great epidural birth. <laughs> it was a great medicalized um, birth and delivery and and even the way that I parented back then was different, and it worked for us at that time. Mm, tell me more about that. Well, with um, with her, it was more uh, – she went in her crib in her own room in her nursery from night one, and I got up every night and walked to her crib <laughs> and got her out and had the light on, well, mostly because I had a hard time nursing, but – you know, and then fed her and then put her back. So she was not in our room. She was not to where now, five years later, or almost six years later, um, the new baby co-sleeps with us. <laughs> so, you know, that's been like, I moved from in her own room to the next one was actually in the living room. That's the story. And then the um, third one was next to our bed. And now this one is in our bed. Mm. That is so interesting, and we could do a whole different episode on that, right? (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Um, And I'll link to some good episodes that I have on, you know, safe bed sharing and sleep stuff. Well, that's why I did it this time around, is I listened to your episode with, oh, I don't remember her name, but it's the, it's a La Leche um, leader who wrote Sweet Mm -hmm. Sleep. Teresa Teresa Pettman. That is the episode. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the episode you did with her. And that is what made me, I read that book and that is what made me decide that that's what we were doing this Mm -hmm. time. And I will recommend, so that one's been quite a few years. And so right now, um, Dr. James McKenna, who works with Teresa, has worked in the past with Teresa Pittman very closely. He runs the Mother Baby Sleep Lab in Notre Dame. I think I've got the the name of the of the lab, research lab correctly. Um, and he just studies like mother baby sleep, and he just came out with a fantastic book called Infant Sleep or Safer Infant Sleep. I think it is. I just finished reading it, but uh, really? I I will put oh, it on cool. the show notes because I highly recommend that book in terms that is so evidence based, and he's also not 
judgy. He's presenting the evidence that he's found on, say, for bed sharing and how it can be beneficial in terms of even SID reduction, but that you have to do it under certain mm -hmm. circumstances and that those circumstances are not for everybody. So it's very much of like you decide what works for you, but not coming from a fear-based recommendations which is kind of what we have yeah. like don't ever and i'm wondering if that's what happened with you when you were sleeping in the living room because i hear this that people are so scared to put their babies in their bed that then they might do a situation that's not as safe like sleeping on a sofa which is right. is more recommended and i'm not saying that that's what you did i don't want to put that on you at all no, no. She actually, the reason we had her in the living room, she was in a bassinet. We started her in the bassinet in our room, but she was such a loud sleeper, which I, she, again, a whole nother story. She was the one that had a really bad tongue tie and I didn't know anything about. And so we, so that could have contributed to her loudness, but, um, she had, was such a loud sleeper that, uh, we moved her to the living room. <laughs> that was the recommendation given by, um, a professional. And so that is what we did. So I would hear her, you know, wiggle and then I would go to her and then sit on the couch and nurse her and then put her back. in. Oh, bassinet. gotcha. So she was in a bassinet and you weren't sleeping with her. Yeah, definitely. Great. No, it was moving her away from <laughs> us as far as possible. Get her in the floor. <laughs> Which again, is not me now, right. but. <laughs> different babies, different circumstances for sure. Um, yes. Before we get to story number two, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. In our house, we are big on hydrating. Aside from all the important health benefits, I find that if I'm not well hydrated, I get these brutal headaches. So it's really important for me to hydrate. However, I do not like the taste of tap water and I cannot bring myself to buy bottled water because of all the plastic waste. So for years, we did pitcher filters, but then we switched to AquaTrue water purifiers. And after tasting the deliciousness of their truly clean water, we are never going back. What makes AquaTrue so unique is that they use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. This process removes 15% more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, also known as forever chemicals, that are found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. You can also forget about having to change filters every two to three months because AquaTrue filters last from six months to two years. Now, if plastic bottles are your thing, just one set of filters from AquaTrue's classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. Today, my listeners receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code BIRTHFUL at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the promo code B-I-R-T-H-F-U-L. And we are back talking with Chrissy Whitehead about her birth experiences and a lot of other things, sleeping experiences, breastfeeding experiences. Um, so then let's talk about number two, 
how you had your first baby and you saw that she was, you know, very sleepy baby in terms of breastfeeding her. Then you were pregnant again. And what were your views then in terms of what you wanted for labor? Did anything change? No, at the time I was still the same. I uh, had changed OBs because the one that I had had moved away. Um, so, but it was the same practice and, um, it was, it was this, this new OB who had said that about the, you know, nobody's there high five years. So, and I still had the same opinion as her. I loved her. I, and I, um, yeah, anyway, so that was the same type of a pregnancy. I just went with the flow, didn't care about what I ate, didn't care about what I, I was a very, um, I don't know. I was very young, didn't care about anything person. <laughs> uh, well, and it seemed that at the time it served you well. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, it was fine at the time. Yeah, I um, I think I took like, you know, maybe whatever prenatals I could find at Walmart. Like I didn't have any standards of like what I wanted for myself. Not that those are wrong or bad for anybody, but, you know, now I have different opinions for myself. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then how did this second one, um, how did labor start and how did the birth go? So she, um, this one was funny because I did not have a period between the two. So I didn't, I didn't have a last month's period date then. So all we had was the ultrasound due date. And uh, so she, we did a membrane sweep the day before her ultrasound due date. And I immediately, and I think I was only, I was a two, I think, when she did the membrane sweep. And um, I immediately started having contractions as soon as I got off the table. And then they continued to, um, kind, I mean, they were just light and, you know, I was able to go about my day. And then I went to bed and woke up at midnight um, with contractions that were coming uh, every few minutes, lasting a minute. And I called my mom and I was like, well, these are coming, you know, every few minutes, but they don't hurt. Like, you know, they're supposed to hurt before I go in. Right. And she's like, well, you should go in anyway, just because, you know, they're so frequent. Um, so I did, I went in and I was, I was still only a, I think I was a three funny story about that one though. Um, when, when my mom met me so that she could take the oldest. And so we took a family picture of the three of us in the parking lot of the hospital, um, at like one 30 in the morning. And one of the nurses was actually, um, in her truck. Cause she didn't, they, she was getting food for everybody and she didn't want to walk in in front of a laboring woman with food. So, um, she said that she told me afterwards, she remarked to herself, she's way too happy. She's going to be sent home. That was her thought. You know, she's like, no, she's way too relaxed. She's way too happy. There's no way she's going to be admitted. <laughs> and, um, which I became really good friends with her afterwards. It was just, and it was funny because of the way the rest of the labor went. Um, let's see. So they checked me and I was like a three. So they had me walk for an hour. So I walked for an hour and then they were, the contractions were hard enough that I was like, well, somebody please check me. It was in the middle of the night. So, you know, there wasn't anybody else there. And, um, so they checked me and I was a six. So they started admitting me and things got really fast after that. I was signing papers as I was like crawling up the, the bed, like in agony, because again, I did not take any type of, any type of childbirth class that would help me, um, deal with the, the pain and discomfort. So I did not know how to handle the contractions. 
Um, so I was in agony because I didn't know what to do. And, um, anyway, I was begging for the epidural, begging for it. And she's like, we just took your blood. It's not back yet. That's the one thing I didn't know that, you know, you have, they have to approve your blood levels or white blood cells or something before you can even get an epidural. So, um, it wasn't back yet. And so she, at one point she grabbed my shoulders and she's like, you have to breathe. And she's like, blow up, pretend like you're blowing out a candle. So I was breathing in her face. Um, and I kept thinking to myself, oh, I bet my breath is terrible. <laughs> but, but I was like, I'll just keep blowing in your face though. And, um, uh, let's see the, the blood work came back in time that she said, um, there, we don't have time for an epidural, but we can give you a spinal shot. So they gave me the spinal shot and then my water broke, like, cause I was still sitting on the side of the bed after, right after they gave me the spinal shot. And I was like, she's coming. And she's like, oh, she can't be. I literally just checked you and you were a six because mind you, all this has been about 15 minutes since they let, since they checked me and started admitting me. And, um, and I was like, uh, no, I'm pretty sure she's coming. So she just looked and she could see I was completely complete. Um, and so she's like, oh, crud, somebody call the uh, ER doctor. So the ER doctor comes and a couple minutes later, she's pushed out. So I was from the time that I was six centimeters and they started admitting me to her out was a half an hour. Birth is not linear. <laughs> <laughs> right? right. Which is why ah. and she, she was the same nurse that was like, oh, she's going to be sent home because they didn't think, you know, but it progressed really fast. <laughs> it did. And that's a lot of intensity to deal with in that short amount of time. Because, I mean, it's not like it requires the same intensity regardless, in, in a way, regardless of the time. It can take 10 hours with that intensity. You had it condensed to half an hour. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which is funny because this is the conversation, which we'll talk about later, I guess. But this is the conversation that I've had with my midwife because the last three births have all been like that. And... And I'm like, is it this bad when it takes a long time? Like, are people in this much intense pain for hours? And she's like, no, it usually is not. Like, it ramps up slowly or something. I had never experienced it, though. So I'm like, I was looking at women who did it for hours and was like, I don't know how they do that. <laughs> but apparently it might be a little different. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, usually, I mean, unless like the only times that I see it get really intense from the get go and stay intense toward throughout and it's a very ouchy quality more than a, you know, contractions tend to be wavy. Yeah, instead of wavy. Yeah, that's more like an ouch, 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 ouch is when babies are in a weird position, posterior or mm -hmm. asynclitic or something that that creates uneven pressure on the cervix and, and, and different, you know, pressure on the soft tissues. And so it creates a different sensation, but it, and you might have contractions tend to be shorter, but really close together and intense. Um, so if that's how things start at, at a labor, I usually like my doula recommendation is to try to move and we try to do different things from spinning babies and so forth to try to get give space to baby to rotate and then you just do things until something works basically and when it does it sure. changes completely and it's like oh okay that was a big movement and now who i can handle this but other than that it's yeah. more like what your midwife describes of things ramping up but again not being linear so it's not uncommon to have things be i guess i mean you just had like a really condensed 
intensity at the end. Active stage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really quick with the pushing and everything. But what you were describing earlier when you talked to your mom and said, these aren't really close together, but they're not hurting. Like, yeah, that's that slow ramping up. Mm hmm. Ish to an extent, uh, you know, sure. Yeah. Uh, the one difference though, in my pregnancy with that one, I did start going to a Webster chiropractor, uh, because somebody, my cousin had told me that, um, it could help have a easier, quicker labor, <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. lo and behold, whether that was that or not, but I have gone ever since. And again, the next couple stories continue in the same vein. So <laughs> And the Webster can really be helpful also, or a chiropractic during pregnancy can also be helpful to ease the discomfort of pregnancy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I find that that's even like a, re a, a as important a reason to do it because if you're feeling nerve pains or leg pains or something or really back pain during pregnancy, chiropractic will most likely help you out. You, you don't have to suffer that uncomfort. Uh, what, right. Discomfort. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's why I've had really, really, really easy pregnancies. And a lot of it I could probably associate with that. Um, and yeah, people keep, you know, a lot of the reason people don't want to have more babies is because they have really hard pregnancies and, you know, a lot of pain and like that kind of stuff that you're talking about. And I'm like, I, I feel completely normal when pregnant. And a lot of it I think is I go weekly pretty much through my entire pregnancy. Mm. Um, and so I have no, I have no pain. I have no, no round ligament pain, no back pain, no, nothing. You know, it's just normal. That is so awesome. Pregnancy would... is normal for me <laughs> now because I'm taking care of my body and giving it what it needs, I guess, to still function normally. And we'll talk about this later, but I want to know also how you <laughs> to replenish your, because having four babies in that many years like pregnancy is mm. wonderful as it is, it is a depleting process um, and breastfeeding. So you do have to yeah. figure out how to replenish yourself. Um, but um, I'll link on the show notes uh, an episode about chiropractic during pregnancy for people to check out for sure. So then, which I've also listened to. <laughs> I'm sure you've listened to all of them. I've literally listened to them all. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Um, so this baby was fast and furious. 30 minutes. She went, you know, six centimeters to having a baby in 30 minutes. <laughs> How was the immediate postpartum and breastfeeding and what was her attitude? Oh, so this is the turning point for me. This was the labor that and delivery that made me start questioning everything I knew. <laughs> um, but it was because... I felt so different afterwards. It was, you know, I, like I said, I was in agony. I was in misery, whatever. As soon as she came out, I felt euphoric. I felt on top of the world. I was like, this is, it was like the best, the best drug ever. Um, not that I have any experience with that, but um, it was, it was amazing. And I was like, what is this? And um, so that kind of sent me on the hunt of, you know, what is this hormone cocktail that all of a sudden I was rushed with that made me feel like the best thing ever. And she was, she was so alert. She like her eye, there's a picture of as soon as she was on my chest and her eyes were huge and she was, she was just totally alert. And that was, I guess the other thing too, with my first birth, I remember thinking when they held her up, I remember thinking I'm supposed to be feeling something 
like super awesome right now. I'm supposed to be like really wanting to love her. And I remember thinking like, I see her, but I don't really feel, you know, I, it just, it didn't feel, I felt fake, honestly, after I felt like, I know I love her, but I, right now I just don't feel it. And, um, so then after I had my second one, it was an immediate connection and I was like obsessed with her. And, um, strangely enough, I did have a really bad sinus infection after I had her. And so we spent a lot of time sleeping in bed together. Um, but so then at that, and at that same point, I was actually introduced to oils and, um, again, I was not, I was not in natural lifestyle at all. So that was a rabbit trail, but I'm a big researcher. So I started researching and just going deeper and deeper and deeper into all of the natural living, um, holistic type of things. And that is when I did a complete, you know, 180 and became, the crunchiest of crunchy moms. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, it's like, and, and it, it's whatever works for you, it's what's right. Mm -hmm. Right? And I right. feel that we don't need to. Somebody was saying, oh, I wasn't one of those that had a hippy dippy birth. And I'm like, don't call it that. It doesn't, there's, you're, yeah. you're using that terminology, you're making it less than, and you're still mm -hmm. judging it. Just, Oh, and people who have epidurals, good for them. People who don't, good for right. them. People who birth wherever they birth, good for them. I think as you've heard me say this before is like, I don't care as long as you're happy and it turns out to be a really good experience. If you're miserable, that's yes. really good. But I, right. you need to be feeling good after that so that then you can feel good during parenting and feel good and continue that, You're right? If you... Right. Yeah. Well, and that's why with the first birth, I, I felt, I felt like it was wonderful. Um, and it, and it was, it was, I think the physical hormone difference after the second one is what made me see like, Oh, there's something different here that I didn't know happens. And so that's what made me research like the, um, you know, the rush of hormones, the, the way hormones work during labor and birth and how they work with your brain and your feelings and all that stuff. To where I was like, oh, so if, you know, sometimes, it, unless I misunderstand, sometimes an epidural especially could possibly block that feeling. Um, I don't know if they have any actual research on that, but especially Pitocin. I mean, Pitocin gives you the contractions, but doesn't give you, it doesn't cross to the brain, right? So it doesn't give you the, the um, happy feeling that oxytocin does. Is that right? Right. The endorphins. Yeah. Because it works as a hormone right. and not as a neurotransmitter. I'm going to link on the show notes um, right. the episode with Sarah Buckley on the hormonal physiology of birth. Um, she's got an amazing report about that. And it's true. Like if you birth is designed to have this amazing dance of hormones to and that you need that sort of pain to then signal the brain to send endorphins and and so it all works together and when you put and and the contractions are creating that rush uh, the oxytocin is creating that rush of contractions and then to that's also why epidurals can slow down labor in my opinion is because you're you're slowing down the oxytocin flow by taking away the pain sensations you're you're interfering mm -hmm. with that hormonal loop and you're out of your thing you're 
once that pain goes away, you're not going deep into the process of labor land. You're now in a thinking brain status, which then lowers mm -hmm. your oxytocin production because you need to be more primal in order for that to be really, you know, strong and continued. And then you need Pitocin, like blah, blah, blah. So yeah, there's a lot to be <laughs> said about that. It does, it's a valid choice, but understanding that everything has risks and consequences, and that is going to interfere with the hormonal flow of your birth for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she was awake to nurse. That was the main difference. She was happy, but, um, I had the same pain. Like I had uh, cracks with both of them. I had it was, you know, toe, toe curling, <laughs> um, at least for the first couple of weeks, which again, um, I had been told was normal, um, which I now do not think is normal. Um, but yes, so she ended up, she had a, she still has a very severe tongue tie and lip tie. And I did not know until after, again, when I started researching and I found your podcast and that was a lot of my research was your podcast, but, um, the, about tongue ties, the one that you did with, um, whoever you did it with, <laughs> um, yeah, Diane Cassidy. Cassidy. yeah, the, um, so then when I learned, when she described the effects of it, I was like, oh man, that is what my problem was. And, um, so then I knew ahead of time because I think she mentions that it could be hereditary. Um, so I knew ahead of time to check with my third, um, and I had already planned, okay, if she does have one, we're definitely getting it revised because I want to see what good breastfeeding would be like, because, um, my first one, I only lasted three months breastfeeding. I did go back to work and I couldn't keep up pumping. My second one, I was home and she was, she started being failure to thrive around three months and, um, we did everything, she, but again, nobody knew to check for Ty. So she was not gaining weight. She was dropping, um, off the growth charts. So we started, I think it was closer to five months actually, because we started introducing food and trying to put butter in her food, trying to put coconut oil in her food to fatten her up. And it just wasn't working. So I had to stop breastfeeding and introduce formula. And that's when she started going back up. But, um, so yeah, there's that. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into that third story, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You've taken gorgeous photos of your baby or your kids, and then when you want to share them, it is a pain either trying to find the photos or figuring out the group text that they should go to, and then also remembering that, say, Aunt Helen only does email, so you need to send her image separately. Or like in my case, where my husband is a photographer who takes magnificent photos that I rarely actually get to see because they live on his phone or end up scattered in text messages that I can't easily find. Enter the Family Album app, which was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with your loved ones. Basically, it's a personal space for your family's memories without third-party ads or unwanted eyes and with a bunch of fabulous features. It automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and easily see how your child has grown. And you can also order eight photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. The Family Album app also has unlimited storage. Plus, it's totally free. Yup, 
No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by third-party ads. So to all the parents out there still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, level up your family photo game for free and securely with the Family Album photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, all in one word, and download the app to start creating your shared photo legacy. And we are back with Chrissy Whitehead talking about her birth stories and all the stories and breastfeeding and so much learning you've done in these past five years. My goodness. Yes, a lot of, yeah, a lot of information and reevaluating and um, changing for myself. Mm -hmm. So then for the third one, what was your approach to that pregnancy and birth and what did you do differently? So this one, I was, I was down the, um, you know, the natural lifestyle, uh, rabbit hole. And, um, so I did, um, I switched, you know, oh, I'm trying to think I, again, I switched to another OB again and it was the same practice, but it was the, the one I had for the second baby also moved away. <laughs> so, I, so I've been forced to change every time. Um, so, but with this one, um, and that's the other thing. Every OB was perfect for me for that pregnancy. And so this one was the perfect fit for what I wanted for this pregnancy. She was the most natural minded. Um, and she goes for a couple months out of the year and does OB work in Africa. So she has a lot of different uh, experiences. So she's in a lot of breech births, different things like that. Um, so she was a lot more open to the desires and wishes that I had, um, because she had more uh, outside of the United States experience, I guess. Um, you know, and so she saw things differently the way that other countries do. Um, so she would, did not give me really any trouble with some of the things that I wanted to do differently. Some of the things that, um, I, you know, I asked for, uh, intermittent monitoring instead. I, I told her from ahead of time, I, I wanted an unmedicated, uh, birth and that I wanted the lights down. I wanted to wear my own clothes, you know, all those things that you add that start making you, um, less easy <laughs> for the, uh, staff, honestly. And so, and I knew that that was going to be a little bit um, unconventional, especially in an, in an actual hospital, not a birthing center. So, um, I, I did my birthing plan. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I had all the, all the things written down. Um, but I had a great pregnancy and I had a great, um, prenatal experience with her. Um, I did, I made the nurses and I made her some gifts so that um, they would know that I appreciate them um, because I knew I, I might be difficult, honestly. You know, I knew I might make more work for them because I'm making them have to chart more that I denied this or I didn't want this or, you know. And so um, I just wanted them to know that I'm not trying to be argumentative and I'm not trying to be difficult, but... Um, Anyway, so yeah, I, I tried to be as accommodating as I could be. 
Uh, and I want to take that away from you. I want to take the idea that you were more difficult because you were asking for things more away from you. You were. Oh, you know, I needed a doula that at that job. time. I needed a doula. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know about them. <laughs> well, there you go. Like one step at a time. How did right. that labor um, start? And, and oh, sorry. In terms of childbirth education classes, did you take anything oh. differently, or were you uh, continuing the path? I did. I actually, uh, I did because I, um, didn't know how to cope with, um, any, any childbirth coping mechanisms or whatever. I took a, um, what they call the natural childbirth class, um, which is, you know, uh, the unmedicated path. And so I took that class, um, which was funny, you know, the mom of two already having to, uh, taking another um, childbirth class, but um, that, and that was really, really helpful. Um, you know, learning the breathing techniques and all the different movements and all that kind of stuff. But it was during this time I found so much too, you know, I mean, I listened to your podcast. It was, it was during that, that break between babies that I found your podcast actually. And so I listened to every episode and, learned so much, learned about spinning babies, learned about, you know, tongue ties, learned about everything. Um, and so I did a lot of things differently, um, because I wanted the best labor that I could have. Um, so I did, and I, and I had a great labor. <laughs> also, yeah. And based on your previous experience where things moved so quickly and there was no time mm-hmm. for that epidural and you felt like you didn't have coping mechanisms or didn't know what to do other than the nurse saying, just breathe, blow out some candles in my mm-hmm. face. Um, like it makes sense that you were like, wait, I need to prepare for this, it, you know, with more than just blowing out candles. Yeah. Yeah. I, and not saying that somebody, well, obviously I did. I was not saying that somebody could not have an unmedicated birth without preparing, but I knew it could be a lot, um, I don't want to say easier, but I knew it could be, um, I don't know, better <laughs> or easier to cope with something like that. Um, yeah. because I knew that I know women are able to handle the discomfort or the pain and make it not so much that, you know, I don't even like the word pain because it's not, I mean, it is painful, but it's different. It's a different kind of pain. <laughs> well, and I think it's more of, of like, I feel of staying on top of the contractions and working with them instead of just mm-hmm. enduring it. And I think that's kind of yeah. the difference because when you resist and embracing the them. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Letting them and welcoming them instead of being like, oh my goodness, another one's coming. <laughs> well, and, and, and I, sometimes I tell people like, just, you know, if these contractions are getting strong, say, bring it on, come at me, bro. Next yeah, one. Right? Cause that's what's going right? to get yeah. your baby <laughs> to be born. Oh man, um, that'd be so funny. I can totally see that. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause if you don't resist it, if you actually embrace it and go with curiosity and look into what they're mm-hmm. about, it tends to the, the intensity lessens. To an extent, you know, I, I yeah. don't know. This, was yeah. that your experience? That's what I see people Well, doing. you know, with the, with the unmedicated one, um, it was totally doable. I, I tell everybody, I'm like, I can't, I cannot tell you it sounds, you know, the whole, oh, breathing, you know, in for four, out for eight. It sounds like it would not help a lick, but it literally makes a difference between being able to handle this and not being able to handle this. It made, it made it easy, quote unquote, (laughs) you know, it was totally manageable, totally doable. Um, and 
yeah, the being able to handle it, being able to breathe. Um, my husband using a massage thing on my lower back because she must have been posterior because I had terrible back pain. Um, and using the shower, using the different things made it really, really uh, doable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and it changes the ex- quality of the experience. It might look the same on paper, but how you experienced it was, it seems, more, like you're saying, more doable, just a little more yeah. satisfaction through this intensity. Well, and I, I definitely, with the second one, I'd say I was in... I was in agony with this one. I was not like this one was, um, it was a pleasant experience. It was the hardest thing that I've ever done. I mean, all of them have been, but it was, it was good. It was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what were the details of that? Like what happened in terms of timing and, and details of this third baby that was more so pleasant? That one, yeah. I, yeah. Right. Um, so with her, I, um, and this, again, going back to the, the funny thing about the ultrasound date versus last month's period date, um, my, with her, my last month's period date was uh, December 20th, I think, or December 19th. And I, when I had the ultrasound, the ultrasound due date put me at Christmas Day, but they did not change it because it was within seven days. You know, I, I, with, if it was within seven days, they leave it at my, my, the last month's period date. So, um, and I think nobody wanted to think that we would be there on Christmas. (laughs) Um, so they were like, no, we'll just keep it on the 19th. Um, so, but, uh, that day come and went, came and went and, uh, we got closer and closer to Christmas. I tried everything. I did the pineapple. I was on the ball the time I was walking. We were, did, I did everything. I, very spicy Mexican food, you know, I did everything that I could think of and nothing. And, um, so Christmas, it was Christmas Day. We were um, we opened presents. We had family time. The, I put the girls down for a nap, and then I lay down for a nap. And it was funny because I was laying there right before I drifted off. And I remember thinking, okay, if my water breaks, what is that acronym that I'm supposed to look for? Which I think I still can't even remember. It's odor. I forget what acronym they use. But they use taco coat. Is it coat? Either is it color odor. Some amount and time. Yes, yeah, they use yeah, coat. Yeah. It's yes. either coat <laughs> of ta- or taco, whichever you like best. But. Yeah, okay, whichever way. I gotcha. So I remember right before drifting drifting off, thinking that, like, okay, if my water breaks, what do I need to look for? And then I fell asleep, and I was listening to hypnobirthing tracks at the time. So I was also wanting to do a little bit of that. Um, so I was listening to those. And then I did, it was like within 15 minutes, I felt a pop kind of in my sleep and I woke up and I was like, Oh, I think my water broke. <laughs> um, but it was just so funny that that's what was on my mind right before that, that happened. That's um, uncanny. It was like my body knew. Yeah. yeah it was really weird. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay. So I woke up and I hopped up and I was like, Oh, <laughs> and, and it wasn't, it was a pop, but then it was like a trickle. And, um, so then I, and I was, and I had been kind of out. So I was like really, I was really, um, I was really out of it. It was just kind of shocking, you know? And so I was like, um, so I called the hospital and I said, you know, my water broke, but I'm not having any contractions. You know, I want to be able to labor home at home as long as possible. And, um, but they saw my past one and they were like, we do not want you to stay home. 
<laughs> you know, with as fast as you progress, last time we feel a lot more comfortable if you were here. And I was just like, I just wanted to stay home. It's Christmas, you know, and they're like, there's no one here, you know, um, come hang out with us. We'll have a good time. You know, and I was like, okay, as long as you promise me, you're not going to start pushing interventions on me, (laughs) you know, because that cascade of interventions, you know, once one starts and I'm like, just don't pressure me to do anything, (laughs) you know, um, and because I had already talked to my, my doctor about how long she'd be comfortable with me going with my water broken, you know, which was longer than what the hospital's actual, um, policy was. Do you remember what the hospital, uh, the hospital policy, the hospital policy was like 12 hours or something. Like it was, (laughs) it was like, before labor started. Yeah. I, yes, I believe so. Right. Yeah. Whereas she said where she was okay with 24 hours. Um, and so, but she, I also knew was gone. She was out of town. Um, and so I was like, uh, you, you know, that was my thing. I said, I will come in as long as you let me be okay. And they were like, it will be fine. You know, we will, yeah, you'll be fine. And so I did, I went in and, um, I was a two again when they checked me because that is all I dilate before active labor. Um, I was a two when they checked me. So they had me start pumping and walking. Um, and the charge nurse that was there, she was amazing. And, and honestly, the hospital that I went to for those three was great. And the nurses have always been wonderful. And so she, I, I was pumping and walking again. There's nobody else there. It was just me and my husband. And um, so we're pumping, walking every 15 minutes maybe or no I was pumping 10 minutes walking half hour I don't know something like that um and so they I got to a three or a four by seven and the doctor wanted me having consistent contractions by eight o'clock and um the nurse I kept asking the nurse and I don't remember where I learned this it might have been your podcast it might have been the mama natural book but um to keep asking for one more hour just one more hour just you know and and just take it hour by hour. So I kept asking, oh, just give me another hour. And she was really great. She was the one who was um, intervening for me with the doctor. You know, she was the one that was, that kept, I never felt any pressure because she was kind of taking all that pressure, if that makes any sense. Um, and so she was doing an excellent job. And they also just kind of let, left me alone because they knew I had, I knew what I wanted. And so they just let me be And so then when they started actually getting difficult or, you know, when they picked up, um, they picked up around eight. I started having consistent contractions around eight, which again, by consistent, I mean like I was having them every so often, but they were never like a five one one or however you would say it, you know, they, they were always like every two minutes, every three minutes, lasting 30 seconds, lasting 90 seconds. I mean, they were all over the place, but um, but she was okay with that. She was like, you know, they're coming. We're okay with that. Uh, so then I got in the shower and then it got really intense at that point. Um, uh, she heard me start. Well, I, that was the only time that I, that I wanted them there. I, I asked for the nurses to come. I wanted their presence. I think I knew I was getting close and I just wanted their comfort and them close. And, um, so she, she, I started doing the groaning and, um, that low, sound, which really helped like that sound really, really, really helped. Um, and squatting. And so she's like, I want to check you. (laughs) And I was like, okay. So we made our way to the bed and she checked me on hands and knees. 
and I was a six. There I am, that magic six again. Yay. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. And um, so she called the doctor and the doctor just happens to be the same one that missed my second baby. She, so the doctor, again, the ER doctor delivered the second one. The doctor arrived to um, deliver my placenta. And it's the same doctor. So she's the one that was on call. And so she knew previously since I went fast. So she went to sleep in her scrubs because she thought maybe I would go fast once I started. So she, they had called her. I don't know what time. But when they called her and I was a six, she was like at the exit for the hospital, which is like two minutes away. And so the, the nurse was like, she's a six, you've got some time, you know, you can get here in a couple minutes. Um, well, so at that point she's on the, she's on the phone with the doctor and I said, she's coming. I can feel her. She's coming. So she rushes over and she's like, oh, never mind. You're not going to make it. Call the ER doctor. And then it starts coming so fast. She's like, never mind. The ER doctor's not going to make it. So she delivered her actually because, um, she just, it was wham, bam. So from with that one, from when she checked me and I was a six to her out was six minutes this time. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That even a little bit faster up. When you get going, you get going. Wow. Apparently that six centimeters is my magic number. <laughs> oh, and that's like that whole thing about your cervix not being a crystal ball, right? Like that six. Yeah. <laughs> you're expecting that six to mean different things. It does not. <laughs> Yeah. Transition for me is like, bam. (laughs) So up to then when you were in the shower and you were moaning and squatting, like you were feeling on, like, it seems like you had it. You were really into it and feeling good about how things are going. Yeah, it was really good. I was still uh, laughing in between until I was in the shower. You know, we were still, um, yeah, we were watching friends, I think, and, um, having a good time and then I got in the shower and then it just started getting, and again, it wasn't, it wasn't unbearable, but they started kind of getting on top of each other at that point and getting really, really intense. And, um, and then when I, when I went to push, I, I know I want, I didn't want to push on my back, but I was kind of on my side when I started pushing and she was going to leave me like that. But then after her head came out, she thought her shoulders might be stuck. Um, and again, charge nurse, but you know, they deliver babies all the time <laughs> because it happens, you know? Um, but so she, they inverted the bed so that I was kind of like, you know, upwards and they were pushing on my perineum and then also pushing on my stomach, put, trying to push her out. And, um, so then she came out, but she ended up not, she, she had her cord wrapped around her shoulder, like a purse, but mm. her, her shoulders were fine. But she did, she came out really bruised. I don't know if it was the hard and fast labor or if it was them pushing on my stomach, but she came out um, really, really, really bruised. Okay. (laughs) On her face, on her face. Okay. And who knows what position she was in there? Because you said when they were pushing, her head was already out. I had back labor, yeah. Yeah, and and she was the one that I had uh, really bad... You know, like, I don't remember, actually, I don't remember having any pain in my stomach or in my uterus. I just remember all the pain in my lower back. Mm. So I assume she was posterior. I don't know for sure, but. It's uh, like, that would be. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It sounds like that would be it. So those six minutes from six centimeters to baby, how were those? Um, a blur. (laughs) (laughs) 
Like I was on the bed and I, I was, um, I, I wasn't really hands and knees. I, the bed was upward. So I was hanging over the top of it. Um, and that's when she checked me and then she walked away and she was on the phone and she was at the door. And then I had turned over on my side and I did a couple contractions on my side. And then I just felt her start coming down. You know, that just that crazy feeling. And I just felt her moving down and I was just like, she's coming. And that was definitely, I would say if I experienced it, it was definitely fetal injection because I was not pushing, but I, she was just there. She was coming. And I was like, I was groaning with what my body was doing. You know, it was, there was no stopping it. You know, when I hear people say that the, that the doctor's like, don't push, don't push. I'm like, how, how, <laughs> like, how could you not push? <laughs> you know, like there's no not pushing. It's just doing it. And, um, yeah. Yeah, and how awesome that charge nurse that was like playing referee between you and the doc and really listening oh, yeah. to you and honoring your your wishes and and that checked you on your hands and knees like yay. I know. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I was like, "Oh, she's so great." How... She would make me poop on my back. <laughs> <laughs> right. How was uh your the immediate postpartum? How was your baby compared to the other two? Oh, um again, it was that was it was what I expected. It was what I wanted as in like, it felt amazing. It was that same, like I did it. It's over. Um, I can't believe I did this. It was great. You know, as soon as she's out, all the pain is gone. And it was just, again, that euphoria. And, um, uh, I did, she did have a tongue tie again, as expected. Um, I had found again from your podcast, I had found between her and the, the first, the previous one, um, the natural breastfeeding, uh, .com website. Mm -hmm. And, um, that helped, uh, that helped me between when I, between then and when I could get her ties fixed, um, that gravity being able to lay back and helped her get more breast in. So that helped from her compressing my breast against the hard palate. So that helped with the cracks and the pain. Yeah. Making it a um, deeper latch. Yes. Yeah. Kind cool. of basically forcing her down. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll put it on the show notes as well. Um, natural you're going to have like all your podcasts on the show notes. <laughs> no, this one will just be the naturalbreastfeeding.com <laughs> link. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Still, it was also a good podcast. <laughs> yes. That um, was the, the breastfeeding new, newborns that, that is different with. Yeah. Uh, it's Teresa, but not yes. Pittman. It's, oh, I can't yes. remember her last name. Yeah, I'll add it to Nesbitt, the show notes. Maybe is it Teresa Nesbitt? Yes, yes. No. Thank you, and Nancy yeah? Okay. Morbacher. Yeah, and that's yeah, Nancy Morbacher. Um, so yeah, so that was good. They they were great. Uh, with my with my hospital stay. Um. Yeah, I guess there's there's not too much to yeah. report there. I did end up. So um. Let's see. What did I have with her? I had weird things with each one. With her, I had, you know, with the second one, I had a sinus infection in those few days postpartum. With her, I had terrible, terrible intestine pain. I don't know if it was my intestines going back into the normal spot or if I got some weird something, but it was like, oh, it was terrible. And it was not the afterbirth pains. It was my intestines. They hurt. Mm. Okay. It was weird. I still have not found an answer as to what that was. Huh. I wonder if that's at all. And then this is pure speculation because I have no answer for you, but I'm wondering if that had anything to do with how she was positioned in there as well. Oh, maybe. I mm. had my intestines in a weird 
twist, maybe even, you know, who knows? Something like that. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was not fun. <laughs> Let's oh, talk but then. About... Oh, okay. Go ahead. I was going to say, I did. I, since breastfeeding was not hurting because I was using the natural breastfeeding in, um, technique, I did not take her to her to get her revision as quickly as I should have. I kind of put it off. And then I got mastitis. So then I was like, oh, um, which I believe I got the mastitis because she was not draining as well as she could have been. And there was that. So, yeah. Anyway. Mm, that that's happened. no fun. No. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about, I'm looking at the time going like, oh, we've got another story. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about this fourth baby that you just gave birth Plus to. Plus one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Who's currently eating um she uh so this one I decided by this time I was wanting a home birth and um before I was not I had not been comfortable with it but um I actually I had met my midwife at a class at um so we had actually invited her to an oil class to kind of talk to us about home birth and answer all our questions and I did I asked her everything you know all of the what ifs the what ifs there's cord prolapse what if there you know you have postpartum hemorrhage you know what if all these things that are terrible if you're not in a hospital you know what what would happen what do they do and she answered all my questions and she put my mind at ease for you know everything and so I was completely confident and comfortable having a home birth and it was an amazing prenatal she came to my house for all the visits which was awesome with having three other kids um she came to my house she she let me have a um Fetoscope, and so I was able to listen to her whenever I wanted. Um, it was just, it was a really chill pregnancy because I also did not feel, even though I felt, even though the last pregnancy, they did not give me any trouble. I did not feel supported. I did not feel like they were on my side with my personal views, you know, and that was fine. But this time I wanted somebody who actively supported me, who actively, um, fought for me, I guess, you know, instead of just tolerating me. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, like what a doula would have done. Um, and so I, it, it was great. It was wonderful. I, I felt at peace through the entire pregnancy. Um, and then weirdly enough, so the last baby, she, she was six days late. Right. So this one, I've never gone, I had never gone past six days past the estimated due date. So when a week came and went, we were like, what's going on? Um, so I actually, she went to 42 weeks in one day, <laughs> um, which I, I was even talking to you during that time because I was like, I should be having a baby sometime. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know why she waited so long <laughs> when none of my previous three had, um, but it could have been I got sick around Christmas and I would I did I lost some fundal height or she did not grow for a couple weeks and so I don't know if she was making up time I, I don't know you know I have no idea but we waited and we waited and, and I asked you know I asked her my midwife if she was comfortable with me um you know going what what you know 42 plus and she was she said if we went past 42 weeks, she would like me to start getting some NSTs just so we could keep an eye on the baby. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, she was fine as long as both of us were still, has, as long as both of us still had good um, vitals, you know. Um, so, 
Yeah, at 42, at 42 and weeks and one day, um, was my appointment, was my natural appointment with her. And she came and we were supposed to, um, we were supposed to do cotton root. We're supposed to try to do a natural induction and to do cotton root tincture and, um, uh, something else. Um, shoot. Anyway, we're supposed to do, um, something to try to do a natural induction at home. Just, you know, which was only going to work if I was about ready to go into labor anyway. Um, and so she actually, this has never happened to her before, but she ended up, um, she had another woman laboring at the exact same time I was laboring. And, um, this is why midwives work in pairs. Well, not the only reason, because generally you, it's nice to have two during a normal labor anyway. But, um. So she, the, the late, the other lady normally goes late and she went early and I normally go on time and I went late. So we ended up on the same day, <laughs> um, which was just, we were weeks apart. And so she didn't think it was going to be a problem, but, um, so I was having slight period type contract, period type pains, you know, nothing crazy, but I told her about him. I'm like, just so you know. And, um, but she had also told me if this other mom has not had her baby yet, because she, her water broke the day before. Um, she's like, I don't feel like it's, um, responsible of me to try to get your labor going if she's still in labor. Um, and I was like, I totally get that. If my labor wasn't already going. And then of course my labor started on its own. And I was like, oh, well. So um, that thing that she came over and you was going to do the cotton root and that she didn't do that. So she came over, um, and we, we assessed basically. She wanted to see, um, by that morning, um, my, I went to the chiropractor, um, let's see, my contractions were every hour or so before the chiropractor, I went to the chiropractor and they went to like every, uh, 20 minutes maybe. Um, and then I started pumping and kind of bouncing on the ball and going up and, and I did, um. I think I did one round of, um, mile circuit and, um, and then they had jumped to every 10 minutes. And so her and the other midwife that she was, that was assisting her came just to kind of talk to me and just see where I was, just observe, you know, how they do. And, um, so she observed and she's like, I don't think we need to do the cotton root tincture and um i think it was another sweep we were gonna try to do um she's like i don't think we need to do any of this late you're clearly in early labor you know um so i don't think we need to do anything to get it going so she um she talked to the other mom who was comfortable with having um the assistant the other midwife who was assisting her stay with her so that katie could be with me um and so she left because for some reason they drove, they rode together, which is funny, but so she had to take her back to her car so she could go back to the other lady. Um, so she, when she came back, I, I kept kind of walking around by the time she got back, um, they were, let's see, uh, every six minutes or so. Yeah. And so we decided to blow up the pool because I want I, this time around I was doing a water I wanted a planned water birth I planned it in my room 
um, at the foot of my bed. And so we blew up the pool. I blew up the pool, actually. It gave me something to do. Um, <laughs> and then we, I know I told my husband, I'm like, you have one job. All you have to do is fill up the pool. And then I did it. <laughs> uh, that's great. I was like, oh, well. <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, let's see. I continued and then she got there. And then the uh, the other midwife ended up getting there. Um and we just, you know, we just hung out. It was really chill. My, I, I wanted my family there. I wanted my kids there. Um, I don't know why. Uh, you know, it was one of those things where I wanted them to be around. Um, part of the reason was at the time they thought the baby was going to come out by my belly button exploding. <laughs> and they were gonna, she was going to come out through my stomach. It was and I wanted teaching, them to oh, know. A teaching opportunity. Yes. Right. I wanted them to know that that labor, that that birth is natural and that birth is beautiful. And I wanted them to know how, how babies come, you know? And, um, so I was totally fine with them being there. And so I continued to interact with them and talk to them. And, you know, I went into labor land during each contraction and came out and hang out, hung out with them in between. Um, and then around, um, 8, 15-ish, I helped put the kids to bed. And contractions were every three to four minutes at this time. And I could not talk through them. And so I put them to bed. I had a contraction. And then I um, put them to bed. I had a contraction. And I was like, okay, I've got three minutes to put you to bed. So hurry up. And then I put them to bed. And then um, at that time, I wanted to come back into my labor space where it was dark. And I wanted to start filling the pool um, because I started to feel more uncomfortable, more not as fun. Um, and I contacted my photographer cause I had a, she's my friend. And so, um, I had her come and, um, I had one or two contractions on the bed and then I wanted to get in the pool. I wasn't sure if I was like at the time, that was a hard thing is I also did not get checked. I, I didn't want to be checked through it unless we really needed me to. Um, so I, wasn't sure if it was the time to get in, but I knew I wanted to. And I figured if it was long and it started cooling down, we could always add hot water. Um, so I got in and let's see, that was about eight 30. Yeah. Eight 30 ish. Um, so I put the kids to bed at eight 15. That was eight 30. Um, I started vocalizing through the contractions more. Um, let's see, about nine, I guess. And I actually, it was actually cool. I felt like I wanted to try to check myself. So I, cause I felt her head coming down there. So I put my fingers and I felt the bag of waters there because it, was, it had not broken. And, um, she just started coming. It's kind of like the last one. And I just started, you know, uh, not roaring, but kind of just groaning. And she, and I felt her head get bigger and bigger into my hand. And it was just really cool. Cause it started just my two, the tips of my fingers. And then it just, she started coming more and more and more until her head landed in my hand. And, um, and it, she was still in call. She was still in the waters. And, um, and then I had a break. I, that was on my hands and knees over the pool. And then I laid back and, um, her head was out. And then her body came out and her bag popped. And then funny enough, she actually got, I don't want to say she got stuck, but she, I had to wait for another, I didn't wait for another contraction. She got stuck at her hips, which is just 
I've never heard that happening. <laughs> but um, so her head came out, her body came out, she stopped at her hips, and I had to give another push and a yank. <laughs> and because I was delivering her. And so then I pulled her out. And then I lifted her up and I put her on my chest and my midwife took her membranes around out from around her face because so she could breathe. Um, and that was, that was it. Oh, so I guess I should say, let's see, that was by the time she started coming out to her being out was about 10 minutes. So you said, wow, that's, I have never heard anybody describe the actual having her head come out onto your hand and i know it was of, really cool <laughs> oh it sounds so amazing and i know i've seen it in many unmedicated births specifically home births where a, a sort of an unassisted like even though a midwife might be present right like you were saying you right. caught and and gave birth by yourself even though the midwife was there she wasn't need didn't need to touch or intervene for any reason so right. I've seen that happen, but I've never had anybody describe it. That was so cool. Yeah, it was. And I'm like, it's hard to describe, but it was really, really cool to feel. You know, it's just, it was not much. And then all of a sudden it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it just like popped and landed in my hand. And I was like, oh, it's her head. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, it was cool. Oh, and you said, you know, that was, uh, so 8.15, you were putting the kids to bed, 8.30, you got into the pool, and then, so what time was she born? She was born at 9.23. Cool. Yeah, so the, I started feeling, let's see, on my notes, I started feeling the bag of waters at 9.20. That's mm -hmm. when I started uh, feeling that up there. So she came out in three minutes when she started coming. Wow. So um, however many centimeters I was, I don't know. That's the thing I, since I didn't check, I don't know when the six centimeters was, but. <laughs> well, knows? and that's the whole point, right? You don't need to know. Yeah, right. It's, yes. it's a milestone that is not, you don't have to know when it happens or whatever to, you don't need to mark it on the way there. It's, it's just, you know, it's going to happen and then it goes, yeah. keeps going. Yeah. Right. Yes. Cool. Um, it was great. So the kids didn't get to see it because they had just gone to bed. They did not. The other girls. They had just gone to bed. So we went and, and they had just all fallen asleep too. It's not like they were still awake. So um, as soon as she came out, my uh, mom went and woke them up and brought them in so that they could meet her. So we had those sweet pictures of them meeting her and being a little dazed because they were asleep. They were sleepy, but... They got to see her while I was still in the pool and before the placenta had even come. I mean, they saw her within minutes, which was really cool. That is super cool. How was that immediate postpartum? Um, and that was actually, that was really cool. She was very, very peaceful. She didn't cry. Like we were kind of like, and they weren't worried. Nobody was ever worried because I could, we could see her breathing, but she was so calm and so peaceful. She just looked up at me and just you know, was breathing. That's all she was doing. She didn't, she cried one little cry and that was it. Um, so she was peaceful and calm. And so I delivered the placenta in the water and then we, you know, we got up and I got in my bed, which was so nice to just get in my own bed. Um, that was wonderful. And, um, yeah. And then we just, the midwives were here for, uh, a couple more hours, I think. And then um, they left and we went to bed and 
It was wonderful. It was great. She slept, you know, she was, she was tired. She slept for a couple hours, I think. And then, um, nursed several times and, um, midwife comes, midwife came back at 24 hours. So she came back the next day and then she cut, she came back at one week and then three weeks. And then I'll have my six week visit with her tomorrow. Mm. Um, yeah, which is really cool. I really liked that was the other aspect, the difference between, um, midwife home birth care with my experience, just my experiences. You know, I really liked that, um, she, visited me more you know like with the ob i only had the one um six week visit after being in the hospital and i just i loved that my midwife came four times um and checked on me and baby she kept checking she's been checking baby's weight and so far she's averaging 12 ounces a week so she's she's chunking excellent does um what about her did she have a lip tie or any difficulty with breastfeeding she did. She actually, she had a tongue tie, lip tie, and cheek ties. Oh, she had them all. Yes, she had them all. So we just, I just got my follow-up um, message from who we go to. Um, his mom is actually, so he's a dentist. And so he does, you know, the laser revisions. And his mom is a La Leche Lactation Consultant. And she has been so for 30 years. And, um... So she is there for every revision to help with breastfeeding, which is awesome. So she helps before the revision, she's there during it, and she helps immediately after. And so she texted me yesterday because that was when our stretches should have been done. And so she just asked how everything was going and, you know, all that stuff. And, um, yeah, with with her, I've had two revised then, so her and her sister. And the, as soon as they were done, as soon as the laser was done, done and we latched her on it was a completely different latch super easy you can see her tongue moving I can see it in the corner of her of her lips you can see it you know pulling the nipple in which is you know something I never had mm-hmm. with the other one um and no more pain so with her I had it done I did not wait any time so I had her revised at a week and a half I think okay um that and that's huge and i love the fact that you've got a lactation consultant that's there to support the breastfeeding because it, it's a team the revision itself is maybe a needed event but you also have to then for the baby and everybody it's a learning process of how to use those muscles and how to get the breastfeeding especially if they've been doing it differently for a little bit how to oh, yeah. relearn that so um yeah it's a team effort i'm gonna link on the show notes an episode with michelle um Eman, Eman, oh michelle emmanuel <laughs> on why optimal baby oral functions matters which talks about all the yeah. things and also explain these buccal ties that you were talking about the cheek ties mm-hmm. Well, and I ended up, what well, we did chiropractic, um, you know, for aftercare, but I also, I have a, well, it's a funny connection, but the lactation consultant that was at the hospital that I went to now is she quit and she does cranial sacral therapy, um, out of her, um, anyway, she does cranial sacral therapy now and lactation consulting and doula-ing. So she's like a really good package. So she's, we've been doing cranial sacral for post care for her ties. Um, and me, I mean, I, I did some cranial sacral before her baby and then I've done several after actually her and my chiropractor both came to my house, uh, the day after I had her to adjust both of us, which was amazing. I love all that. Such a 
like supported the time yes, of life. Yes, it was so great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so we have to say goodbye because times are ticking. Yes. But um, what do, is there any last thoughts or anything that we didn't get to that you'd like to make sure the listeners know, Chrissy? I guess the only other thing I would say is, it's, and this is why um, I have had a hard time talk or not talking about, but writing my postpartum experience so far is because not everybody could have the same experience, which I totally know. But if you can lie in at all, I think it's totally worth it. I tried to do that as much as I could. My mom is a just a godsend and I had the opportunity to stay in bed as long as I wanted. She took care of my kids. Uh, people from church to care meals, you know, like they always do. But um, she did all the cooking or sorry, she did all the cleaning and the laundry and taking care of my kids so that I could just stay in bed with baby, which again, not everybody can do not there's, but I do. I've been telling everybody they postpartum doulas are really, 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 really good. Um, if you, if you don't have a family member who can help a postpartum doula, I think it's totally worth looking into because this has been a completely different kind of postpartum. I have not had any emotional ups and downs. I have not had any hormone crash emotionally that I could feel, which I always have in the past with that progesterone going down usually puts me in a, um, you know, weepy mood, but, um, it has been just pure bliss almost. And I think a lot of it is that I was so supported that I, and that I was able to, I think I stayed in bed for like a good week and a half. We mm. stayed naked for like a good week and a half. Naked. <laughs> Neither of us got naked. dressed. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> skin to Which skin. is totally not feasible for everybody, but if you can make it happen, it's worth it. And it's one of those things that similar to breastfeeding, right? Whatever you can do, if you can do it for a couple of days, that'll make a difference. Yeah. If you can do it for a week, that'll make a bigger difference, you know, and, and so forth. But whatever amount you do, it will be ben more beneficial than if you didn't do any of it. And that skin to skin yeah. doesn't have to happen all the time with you exclusively. It can also happen with your partner, with dad, with whomever. I mean, right. with the breastfeeding parent, it's, it, it also really improves and helps with breastfeeding. There's a, there's a communication loop happening, but the babies need that contact for their immature bodies, their, their systems, right? It helps regulate body temperature mm -hmm. and heartbeat and makes them cry less and keeps their, um, it's their temperature, their breathing, all the things like you are still symbiotic, even though they're on the outside. Right. Yes. So cool. Yeah. Uh, I am so happy for you. And it's been a delight to hear this evolution of all your amazing birth stories. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Mighty Ones, find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about me, the show, send me messages, and more. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. And here is what Chrissy had for breakfast. I made banana bread. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. This episode is copyright 2020 by Adriana Lozada. Hey, Mighty One. 
Did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know. 